crossroads, can we stand to our feet and worship today? Happy Easter Sunday. We're going to lift him up.
come on. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Come on. When I was Thank you, Jesus. 
Y'all can have a seat. It was early in the morning. It was just before dawn, and Peter and the disciples had been out all night on the Sea of Galilee fishing. Now, we're about a week after the resurrection, and there had been numerous people talk about encountering the Lord. The Bible tells us that Jesus had revealed himself to Mary Magdalene at the garden tomb on, on Sunday, that Easter morning. He had spoken to his followers in and around Jerusalem. He had walked in on his followers at the upper room, even letting Thomas, doubting Thomas, touch the scars in his hand and insert his hand into his side. See, Jesus had given word to the disciples to meet him at the Sea of Galilee. And let me tell you, scholars will tell you that they don't know when Peter actually saw Jesus after the resurrection, nor do they actually know what that actually looked like. But we do know from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, that it was at the garden tomb that the angel from heaven tells Mary Magdalene, 
Go. Go and tell the disciples, especially Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of them into the Galilee. It's really important to understand, especially Peter. Because Peter is the one who declared that he would always stand with Jesus. He was the one who said that he would boldly stand with Jesus until the bitter end. But Peter is the one who denied Jesus three times on the very day that Jesus needed him the most. So as a result of his actions, Peter would be filled with guilt and with shame. I mean, think about it. Just give it some thought. I mean, you're in the dark there. Nobody's looking around. How many times have you made a promise to God only not to keep the promise? I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, I'd have a stomach ache. God, if you'll just get rid of the stomach ache, I'll I'll be better. I mean, how many times have you said, oh, God, I promise that if you answer my prayer, I won't do that again. Or, God, if if you'll do this for me, then, then I'll do that for you. See, we make this bold declaration of faith, and then the very next day we do something different. And when we don't fulfill what we told God we would do, we feel like we let God down. And that's how Peter felt. Because he was reeling with guilt and shame because of the mistake that he made. And I think I can relate to him. I think you can relate to Peter because we all make mistakes. Now think about this. If Peter, the one who lived and walked with Jesus, if he's the one who failed, then it goes without saying that you and I are going to make make mistakes along the way as well. Because think about it. Peter Peter is this guy who, who saw things with his own eyes that you and I will never see. He heard things with his ears that you and I will never hear. And even though he saw it and he heard it, Peter's the guy who still blew it. You want to know something this morning? Jesus is not surprised by your your humanity. He's not surprised by your humanity at all. You might get frustrated with yourself. You might get irritated with yourself and some of the things that you don't want to do. You know, the whole scripture, I don't do what I want to do, but I do what I don't want to do. You get frustrated and you get irritated, but can I just tell you something? God doesn't get frustrated with you. He doesn't get irritated with you. He's actually cheering you on. He's actually seeking you out. Just like Jesus sought out to find Peter on the Sea of Galilee. See, Jesus came to have a very important conversation with a very discouraged disciple. And here's what it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. He called out to them. Now remember, it's early in the morning, it's dark, it's kind of like it's been all week. Anybody kind of get a witness in this place? You know what I'm saying? Up until today, it's messy, rainy, foggy. So he calls out to them, have you caught any fish? No, nothing, they answered. And Jesus says the dumbest words ever spoken. Then throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. I mean, really, come on now. The boat is what, eight foot wide? We've been fishing all night, so I'm going to throw my net on the other side of the boat and I'm going to catch some fish. You really think that's, I mean, again, it, it, it came out as the dumbest statement that these guys had ever heard. 
but they were so frustrated with fishing all night and having caught nothing that they did exactly what Jesus said or what the voice said. They couldn't see that it was Jesus. They just heard the voice. And so they threw their net on the other side. And here's what it says. When they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say that it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. I mean, he really needed some Lululemon, you know what I'm saying? So he didn't have to worry about that outer garment. But he wrapped it around and jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. And when they had landed, they saw a fire there with burning coals with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Set 
sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me In the morning that sealed the promise, your very body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring fire declared the has no claim on me. Jesus. And the thing that I find that's really interesting about all of this 
is that nobody will die for something they believe to be a lie. But somebody will risk dying for the truth. But nobody dies for something they know to be a lie. And these disciples of Jesus, these men, these are the guys who had seen something. They had seen someone, and that seeing them is the thing that would change these men forever. And it's this story that we're talking about today that happened around the Sea of Galilee. The story is actually part of their journey. See, when I think about this story this morning, uh, I think there are a couple of lessons that you and I can take away today from this story. And let me tell you the very first thing that I think we can take away. It's this. Jesus has what you need. I mean, I mean, just think about it. Jesus has what you need. Whatever you need, he has. Because we saw that just a moment ago, right before this song, Living Hope. We saw that in John chapter 21. I mean, think about it. These disciples were searching for fish all night long. They've been looking all night for fish. But when they pulled their boats up to the shore, what did Jesus have? He already had fish. There he was. They didn't know it was him initially, but there he was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, bonefish grill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Grilling those fish there on the shore. So think about it like this. When they got to the shore... Everything they needed was already there for them. Everything they needed was already done. Right there. So let me ask you a question. What do you, what do you need God to do in your life this morning? What do you need from God? Well, what's the need that you have in your life this morning? Do you need healing in a relationship? Can I tell you this morning? God is all about relationships. Do you need healing in your body, physical healing? healing? Jesus is the great physician. Do you need a fresh start? Well, can I tell you, that's what Easter really is all about. Do you need peace instead of anxiety and worry? Then can I tell you, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Or maybe there's something that you've been trying to do in your own life. And no matter how hard you have tried, is it ha you just haven't succeeded. And you're tired. And you're exhausted. Well, that's these guys. That's the disciples. That's the way they actually felt that day. Because think about it. They had fished all night long. And they were ready to give up. They were ready to quit. But let me tell you something. Let me show it to you so you see it. The point where you're ready to give up is the place that God is ready to show up. And see, if I was T.D. Jakes, I'd have had somebody back here. And you'd have been jumping into aisles. Because it's the truth. The point where you're ready to give up is the place that God is ready to show up. And you know what? That might be the place you are today. And can I just tell you, if that's you, you're at a good place. 
Because Jesus is here. And not only is he here, listen to me, come on somebody. Jesus has everything that you need. So what do you need? What do you need from Jesus today? See, I looked at this story and the the most important thing about this whole story, I think for us, it's all about Peter. I mean, think about it. Peter's a guy we can relate to. I mean, I can relate to Peter. Again, I can relate to Peter because I'm just like him. I don't have it all together. I just don't have it all together. I mean, I'm just like him. He's hot one day and cold the next. That can be me. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. That can be me. One day, he's boldly declaring God and Jesus, and the next day, he's denying Jesus three times on the very day that Jesus needed him the most. Now, think about that. He denies Jesus when Jesus needs him, and I'm sure that Peter felt like he let Jesus down. And because of what he had done, now Peter is at a place in his life where he feels like, you know what, I just don't matter. I just don't measure up. And it's interesting to note in Mark's account of the resurrection that the angel of the Lord said to Mary Magdalene at the garden tomb, look at it, Mark chapter 16, verse 7. He said, go and tell, this is the angel speaking to Mary, go and tell the disciples, look at what he says, especially Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you're going to see him. Just as he told you. You know what he didn't say? The angel I'm talking about. He didn't say, hey, tell everybody it's up here. Tell everybody, keep it on the down low. Don't tell Peter. See, you and I would be inclined to say, don't tell Peter because Peter denied us, did us wrong. See, that's just us. We would say, you know what, don't tell Peter. But that's not what the angel says. The angel says, especially Peter. See, Jesus doesn't send that word. Jesus sends the word, make sure that Peter knows. Jesus sends the angel to say, I have a message that I need to communicate, and I just don't need to communicate it to all of them. I especially need to communicate it to Peter. Because I care more about his future than I care about his failure. And see, that's the message for somebody here today. Somebody listening online, watching online. That's what you need to hear Jesus say to you through me. God cares more about your future than that place that you messed up in your life. He cares more about what's in front of you than what's behind you. And you guys kind of know me well enough that I like finding little weird things in these stories. And in verse 9 of this story, there's this talk of fire. I'm going to try to say it correctly, okay? See, if you were here on Good Friday, I had one of our teachers tell me that I said wash six times. Four times I said it correctly. Two times I said wash (laughs) with an R. You see what I'm saying? I, lo- I, lo- I love, I- I'm just a country punk, you know what I'm saying? In a suit. That's all I am. 
And I love the fact that somebody could tell me that because I knew I had messed it. I'm like, Peter, I messed it up. But this story tells us about, I'm going to try to say it correctly, fire. It talks about fire. And the word that is used here is really interesting because it specifies that it's a charcoal fire. In fact, the Greek word for charcoal fire is used only two times in the New Testament. Here, where we're at the Sea of Galilee, and the other time it's used is on the night that Peter denies Jesus those three times. Peter is sitting around a charcoal fire. How am I doing? Fire? Good, good. And he's warming himself as he denies even knowing who Jesus was. And, and I thought about this. I really thought about this. That uh, You know how when you get around a charcoal fire, maybe you're doing some s'mores? And you smell the fire, it just brings back memories. I mean, see, I, I know there are certain smells that trigger certain memories. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go out and mow the grass, I feel like a kid again. Fresh cut grass makes me feel like a kid. I smell cotton candy, you know what I think? The Wilson County Fair. I smell somebody burning leaves. It takes me back to my first Alice Cooper concert. I'm like, what were they smoking in there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And I was like, what does that smell? Now, see, I think of burning leaves. I think about talking one up. You know what I'm saying? That's it. You pick up what I'm putting down. I'll pray for you. I ain't never done it. But I've smelt it. And that's what I think Peter. I think Peter walked upon the Sea of, well, he swam upon the Sea of Galilee, got out, got up and smelled that charcoal fire. Same smell as he smelled the day he denied Christ. And I bet you almost immediately he was overcome again with the guilt and the shame of what he had done to Jesus. But see, here's the thing. In that moment, Jesus says to the disciples, come. Come and sit down with me. Come, come, come and have breakfast with me. And, and can I just tell you, that's, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He's always calling us to come back. Amen? We mess up. What does he do? He's calling us to come back. He's always calling you to come back. He's always calling you to get past your past. He's always telling you he has more for you. But see, in that moment, Peter has a decision to make. Is he going to let the guilt and the shame dictate his life, dictate where he goes? Which is what we think, right? He's messed up now. He's not usable by God. Can I just stop you right there and tell you something? We tend to think that God uses per perfect people. But I just want you to stop and think about that. Moses was a murderer. He had anger issues. David was an adulterer. 
He had lust issues. Abraham was a liar. Noah was a drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. And Jonah, what did Jonah do? Jonah ran from God. And what we see throughout the Word of God is God using those kind of people. Drunks and liars and murderers. That's the kind of people that God used. And can I just tell you something? That's what God works with. God works with imperfect people. Because imperfect people are all that God has. People. Imperfect people. So let me just tell you, Crossroads, when you think you're not good enough, when you think that you have, probably shouldn't say that one, when you think you've messed up, when you think you don't measure up, when you think you're not spiritual enough and God can't use you, can I just tell you something? You're in the company of David, Abraham, Moses, Jonah, and Rahab. You're in good company. But let me, let, me, let me stop there and say, on the other hand, if you're here today and you've got it all together, every T is crossed, every I is dotted, most likely to win would describe your life. God can use you too. You might be shocked, but he can. He can use you too. So here's the part of the story I want to focus on for the next few minutes. Jesus begins to have this conversation around that charcoal fire with Peter. It's the very reason that Jesus came to Galilee to meet Peter. And here's what it says. Look, look, look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, so you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And look at the last part of the verse. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, on the surface, that, that, that question that Jesus keeps answering can be really interesting. I mean, when you think about it, Jesus asked what appeared to be the same question over and over again. And lots of people say, well, he asked him three times because he denied him three times. And I'm, I'm not going to go there, but I don't believe that's the truth. But you have to remember that the New Testament was actually written in the Greek language, which is what we need to understand because the Greek language is a very rich language. And they have many different words for the word love. We have one word, love. I love my car. I love my wife. 
I love my dog. I love music. I love food. It's all the same love, but it should mean different things. It's supposed to, right? Your dog and your wife should be a different kind of love, okay? I'm just going to tell you. We have one word. In the Greek language, they had many words for the word love. And in the first one, Jesus uses the word from which we get our word agape. He says this. He says, do you love me? And that kind of love comes from the word agapeo, which is a selfless, unconditional love, the kind of love that, that keeps record of no wrongs. The first time Jesus asked the question to Peter, do you love me? That's the kind of love he's talking about. And Peter responds. Look, look how Peter responds. He says, you know that I love you. But it's a different kind of love. It's phileo. P-H-I-L-E-O. It's a brotherly kind of love. It's a, it's a friendship kind of love. See, Jesus is talking about one kind of love. Peter's talking about a love you, another kind of love. I love you, Jesus. I love you like a brother. And see, here's what I think we misunderstand. Peter was actually in this moment being honest with Jesus because Peter knows that his actions and his words and the things that he did in denying Christ, they don't measure up to what Jesus was really asking him. So Jesus asked him a second time. And Peter responds the same way. Lord, I love you. It's that phileo kind of love. Lord, I phileo you. I wish I could say that I was there, that agapeo kind of love. But I'm not there, Jesus. You know me. You know my issues. You know my hang-ups. So, Jesus, all I can say to you right now is that I phileo you. But see, here's the thing that we don't really recognize. The third time, Jesus changes the question. The third time that he asks Peter the question, he uses the kind of love that Peter has been talking about. He says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me? And Peter says, of course, Jesus. I phileo you. And the thing that I love about this is that Jesus, listen, listen, listen. Jesus understands. He knows that Peter can't give him the love that he's asking for right now. Think about that. Jesus knows that Peter can't give him the love that Jesus is asking for. And because God is such a good God, Jesus makes the first move. And he's the one who comes down and meets Peter right where he is. That's why he changed that third question. And do you know that he'll do the same thing for you? He'll do the same thing for me. He wants to meet us right where we are. 
He doesn't wait till you're good. He doesn't wait till you have it all together. He doesn't wait till everything in your life is complete. He doesn't wait till every I is dotted and every T is crossed so that he can bless your life. Jesus will meet you right where you are. And when he does, he will take you to places that you never thought that you could go. You know what Jesus will do? Listen, listen to me. He will speak destiny and purpose over your life because he is the one who deposited destiny and purpose into your life. So in case Peter ever wondered if God loved him, if God could still use him, Jesus went all the way to the Galilee just to make Peter understand it's a resounding yes. Doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. If you'll pick yourself up and follow me, I will use you. Because I have more for you than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. Don't let your failure determine your future. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. I want to use you. I want to empower you in ways that you never thought. Because I have so much in store for you. See, here's the thing I want you to understand. Peter, Peter because he denied Jesus those three times, Peter thought it was over. Peter thought that mistake that he made in denying Jesus around that charcoal fire, he thought that ended everything. But listen to me this morning, Crossroads. Never put a period where God puts a comma. God always has the pen in his hand. And God is always writing your story. And most of us know Peter's story. Because the rest of Peter's story is actually found in Acts chapter 2. And what's interesting is the rest of the story happened just a few days after the story that we've been talking about. It happened on the day of Pentecost. And again, it's so interesting in Jerusalem. It, it, it's that the, the power of God fell. And, and again, God said, you know, i got to have somebody to preach here. And who did God call? Did he call Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? No, he didn't call any of those. Who did he call? He called Peter. And Peter preached with boldness and with power. And it says that 3,000 people got saved that day. And not only did they get saved, they got dunked. They got baptized. Now think about it like this. The best sermon of Peter's life came after the greatest failure of Peter's life. So you know what that says? I'm going to tell you, in my Watertown vernacular, failure ain't final. Amen. Failure is not final. You might feel discouraged. You might feel defeated. You may have made more mistakes than any of us in this room could even count. But your failure doesn't determine your future unless you let your failure determine your future. You see, Jesus is here today. 
Jesus is here to help you today with a brand new start. No one can go back and make a brand new start. But anyone can start and make a brand new future. And you can start today. And you can walk in the life and the hope that Jesus came to give us. See, I think, here's what I think is really interesting. We don't, we don't think about things like this. You know, that's why people like me kind of get up here, and I love to talk about things that other people don't talk about. But what I really think is interesting is this. The reason why I think John made this the last story among all the amazing stories of the life of Jesus, the reason John put the story that we've been looking at today last is because the gospel of Jesus Listen to me, Crossroads. It's a gospel of grace. It's all about the grace and the goodness of God. It's all about a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son as a payment for sin. See, God did what only he could do. And he paid for the sin. He sent his son who was pure and sinless to die on a cross who three days later would rise up from that grave giving us power and giving us life paying the penalty listen, listen, listen for all of mankind so that we all could come to God so it's this gospel this gospel is a gospel of grace. It's not about trying to earn his love. It's not about you and me trying to earn his forgiveness. It's not about you and I trying to do enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds. That's religion. And Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to make sure that you could have a relationship with God. And that one relationship can change everything in your life. So let me ask you a question. What if today, April the 9th, Easter Sunday, 2023, is all about Jesus trying to find you? Just like that day he tried to find Peter. What if today, right now, even though you're sitting in the dark and you're looking at me, what if today Jesus is saying to you, I see you and I love you and I've got a purpose and a plan for your life that is bigger than anything that you could ever hope or imagine. But see, here's the thing. You have to take hold of it. You have to take hold of the life and the power that is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to give you a, an opportunity to respond to this grace through prayer. 
and really in just a moment when we pray, I want you to understand that this day is really all about this prayer. That's what this day is all about. It's about you responding. I don't know where you are, but it's about you responding wherever you are in your spiritual life. To the grace and the peace that Jesus came to give you in this life. So this morning, I just want to lead you in that prayer. And can I just say this right now? Don't anybody get up. Don't anybody walk out. Just We're running a little shorter than what we normally do. But let's just bow our heads and let's just close our eyes. God, we thank you today for the gift that we have. As we celebrate this, this resurrection power in our lives, we thank you that grace is available to all of us. No matter where we've been or what we've done. And Jesus, here's what I believe. I believe that you're here today calling out people's names. You're calling out people's names because the thing that you desire is to have a relationship with us. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody getting up. Maybe today you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And in your heart of hearts, spiritually speaking, you know there's something missing. And today's the day on Easter Sunday of 2023 that you would like to have that relationship. So can I just ask you right where you're seated, to, you don't have to say it out loud, but to yourself, would you just pray this prayer? And can I just say there's nothing magical about this prayer? But if you would like to accept Jesus Christ and allow him to be in your life and to be your Lord and Savior, would you just pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, make me, make me new again. And for the rest of the days that you give me, I will seek to follow you as best as I know how. I live my life to honor you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that is a prayer that you prayed, I want you to let me know that by indicating that on a tear-off. You can actually also send me an email, randy at crossroadslebanon.com. Because here's the thing, we want to celebrate that with you. Put it on that tear-off as you leave and leave that with us. I mean, you can catch me after the service, and I'll celebrate that with you right in person. But let us know that you prayed that prayer, like people did in the first service. God, for the rest of us, we are all broken people who need that gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus. We ask you to do in these broken bodies what only you can do. Put us back together. 
let us understand and realize that failure isn't final. That you intend to use us no matter what our past may look like. There's a glorious future in front of us. And it's found in Jesus. As we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.
that you can start today and have a brand new future. The gospel of Jesus is a gospel of grace. And anything that you've done, any failure like Peter, doesn't have to be final unless you want it to be final. My encouragement to you today is to lean into Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith.